one other testament which uh, was really kind of incredible. Um, one of the services when, when the guys were in the orphanage, I actually flew up to Monterey, which is in the, the northern part of Mexico, and I was uh, speaking at church for a few days up there on my own. And um, on the second night, um, I really felt to do kind of a miracle service and so preached on miracles and then prayed for miracles. And right in the front row, there was this couple. And of course, I have no idea who anyone is. Um, but I kind of went up to them right at, kind of right at the start and just said, I really feel that God says that you felt like every door has been closed. But tonight, God is opening up a door for the miraculous in your lives. Well, I had no idea. Uh, both of them kind of went broken down in tears, crying, screaming, the whole works. I had no idea that this woman um, had been incredibly sick um, and needed an operation. She lived in a totally different part of Mexico, and the only place where she could get an operation was in a hospital, which was an hour from that church, and it was 25 hours from where she lived. So her and her husband had drove 25 hours um, to get to the hospital for this operation. When they arrived at the hospital, the doctor, the physician said, um, I'm too busy, I'm cancelling the operation. So after a 25-hour drive, the operation had been cancelled. They were like, what on earth do we do? We can't just kind of drive home, we're absolutely shattered. So the guy was like, well, my brother lives in this town, let's stay with him. So they drove to the brother's house, knocked on the door. The brother was like, look, I have literally five minutes ago just taken a COVID test and it was positive. I can't let you in the house. So they've, um, they've driven 25 hours to the hospital for an operation. The doctor said, I can't see you. They've driven to the brother's house. He said, um, you can't come in, I've got COVID. So they're there in the middle of the street. They're like, well, we do know some people in this church that's an hour away. So they drive, to, they drive an hour to this couple's house. The couple are in the car heading out the drive. Um, and they were like, look, we're on our way out because we've got this guy from England speaking at our church. Uh, do you want to come with us? Um, and so they were like, well, yeah, we, we don't want to be stuck in the, on the driveway until you get back. So they got in the car, drove to the church, don't know anyone um, apart from the, the people they were staying with. A couple of ushers grabbed them and said, look, there's, there's seats right on the front row. Brought them to the front row and they both said that during the worship, they, they were just kind of looking at each other saying, we desperately need a healing breakthrough and it feels like every door has been closed. And the first two people that I prophesied over, it feels like every door is closed, but tonight God's opening up a door. And they were there, two services, the Holy Spirit uh, touched them both powerfully. Um, and, I, you know, I've, I've not heard the testimony yet, but I'm believing that, um, that, that, that God did a miracle in, in her body in that service. But it just goes to show, you know, some people would say, oh, it might be coincidence that the 
uh, the, the operation was cancelled. It's a coincidence that the guy that got the COVID test, it's a coincidence that they just happened to be, to arrive at the house when they're off to church. It's just a coincidence that they happen to be on the front row, right in the preacher's eye line. But I believe that in a God who is so passionate about encounter, so passionate about meeting us, that he can rearrange events and he can orchestrate happenings just so we can be in the right place at the right time. Come on, that's a Bible, isn't it? Whether it's Bartimaeus by the side of the road, where it's a woman at the well, where it's Zacchaeus up the tree, it seems like Jesus will make sure that we're exactly where we need to be to meet with him and to encounter him. Amen? So, uh, let me do this real quickly. Um, Genesis chapter 21 Verse 8, it says, The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the maidservant into a nation also, because he is your offspring. And then turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. And Paul references this story in Galatians 4. In verse 22, he says, It is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a promise. And then in verse 28, now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. It is the same now. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman but of the free woman. Amen. Um, we had like an eight-hour bus drive in Mexico overnight from one city to another city. And um, one of the things that I did on that bus drive was listen to Chris's message from, not last Sunday, the Sunday before on podcast. Is that, isn't modern technology fantastic that you can still be on a bus in Mexico and you can still uh, catch up with what's happening here in Revive? And uh, for those that were there, that was a great message, a powerful message about what God is doing in the church, not just in Revive right now, but actually in many churches around the world right now. It's like God is speaking to leaders and saying, look, what is church about? What church, what church what should church be and really stripping away a lot of the things that we have made church to be in the 21st century western world and going back to the book of Acts to what God's plan is what God's blueprint is and what God says his church is amen and I think there's a powerful picture here in Genesis that Paul then picks up on in Galatians that the Bible tells us that Abraham had two sons there's Ishmael everyone say Ishmael 
Ishmael. And there's Isaac. Everyone say Isaac. That'll help me because I, I preached this in Mexico and kept getting them the wrong way around, which, uh, which, which you don't want to do. Um, but you know the story that God promises Abraham, you are going to have a son. Even though Abraham is an old man, even though his wife Sarah is barren, God says you are going to have a son and this son is going to inherit the promises of God. And that promise is basically that, uh, that your son is going to bring a blessing blessing, not only is he going to be blessed, but he's going to be so blessed that he's going to bless the nations of the earth. And the planet is going to be impacted through your offspring. Which is an incredible prophecy, isn't it? To give to an old man who has not had kids, who's married to a wife who can't have kids. But Abraham believes God. But then Time goes on and it's not happening. God has not yet done the miracle. And so out of frustration, um, Sarah gives Abraham her maidservant and Abraham sleeps with Hagar the servant and they have a son, Ishmael. Um, obviously, um, you know, with, without kind of getting too graphic, obviously Abraham, despite his age, he can still have kids at this point. The problem is obviously with Sarah. So Abraham sleeps with Hagar. They have a kid, Ishmael. And Abraham is like, I've done it. I've helped God fulfill his word. I've helped God fulfill his promise. I've used my own strength and my own ability to produce this promise to fulfill God's word. And God says, hang on a minute, Abraham. I don't need your help. I don't need your strength. I don't need your ability. I don't need what you can do. Actually, it's through Sarah that you're going to have a son who's going to bless the planet. And Abraham's like, well, Sarah can't have kids. And actually, I'm getting really, really old right now. Um, the Bible says his body was as good as dead at this point. Uh, uh, and, and God, which is, uh, you know, a, a great place to be in life, isn't it? Um, I feel like that after, after lots of Mexican food, to be honest. Um, but God's like, that's the point, Abraham. It's when you get to the place where you can't do anything and your wife can't do anything, that actually I am going to do a miracle. And I'm going to show you that I'm the God of power, a God of signs and wonders, and a God of the supernatural. And it was when Abraham's body was as good as dead and Sarah's womb was dead that God stepped in and did something supernatural that only he can do. Amen? So now Abraham has got two kids. And the Bible describes Ishmael as a child that was born in the ordinary way. But it says Isaac was born in the power of the Holy Spirit. And for me, Ishmael and Isaac represent two different ways that you can build a church. You can build a church based on natural ability and natural talent and human skill and ingenuity. So if you got a great, fantastic building and you got 
brilliant communication and fantastic music and a great stage setup and great coffee and great donuts and great programs and great courses and great leadership and you market yourself properly and uh, you've got a great social media presence and a great website and a great YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. Who knows? You can, you can build a church like that. And in fact, a lot of churches do build themselves like that. I think it was Yongi Cho who, um, you know, the pastor of the world's largest church in uh, in Korea, based in, you know, they, they have prayer mountain, 24-7 prayer, fasting, intercession. I think it was Yongi Cho, the first time he went to America, they took him around all the mega churches in America and asked him what he thought. And he thought, I'm absolutely amazed at what you can do without the Holy Spirit. But it's true, isn't it? You can build an Ishmael church that's built on great leadership principles, great communication, great entertainment, great programs, a nice building. And you know what? Here's the thing about Ishmael. God said, I will bless Ishmael. And I will make Ishmael grow. You know, I always get a little bit worried when Christians demonize other churches. Um, Particularly us revival, presence, Holy Spirit people. It's easy to kind of look at an Ishmael church and think, oh, that's of the devil. But actually, God said, no, Abraham's name is on that. So therefore, I'm going to bless it and I'm going to cause it to grow. And you know what? Paul said the same thing. As long as Christ is being preached, yeah, there are some churches that, and some leaders that their motives might not be quite right. But if Christ is being preached, I'm for it. I rejoice. I, you know, God will bless it and God will grow it. But here's the thing about Ishmael. God said, Ishmael cannot inherit the promise. Only Isaac can inherit the promise. What was the promise? To bless the planet. And here's the thing. If good, attractional, large churches change the world, America would be in revival right now. And it's not. If lots of churches changed the nation, Britain would be a lot more spiritual than it is right now. Because who knows, you don't need to drive very far to find a church. You can walk two minutes probably from your house and there will be some people meeting this morning. They're singing praises to God and someone is teaching from the Bible. Yeah? And yet our nation is away from God. Because it's not the size or the strength or the how nice your Ishmael looks. It's only Isaac that can change the planet. Isaac is that which is born of the Holy Spirit. And I'm convinced that there is another way of doing church than just having an Ishmael. I believe it's time for the Isaac churches to rise up. Isaac churches are churches that believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Isaac churches believe in prayer and fasting and pursuing God. Isaac churches believe in speaking in tongues. Hello? Isaac churches believe that worship is more than singing through a set list. It's actually ministering to God in such a way that God inhabits the praises of his people. Isaac churches are not looking at the clock waiting for the meeting to be over. But there is an expectancy that when I come to the house of God, we're here to meet with Jesus. We, believe, we still believe in the laying on of hands and that people shall be healed. We still believe in casting out demons. We still believe in prophecy. We still believe in Jesus turning up in the middle of a church service and people falling on their faces saying, surely God is in this place. Anyone with me? Now, I knew you'd all be with me because you're in a Pentecostal spirit-filled church. So, of course, we love Isaac, don't we? But here's the thing. Don't, doesn't part of you love Ishmael as well? You see, Abraham got to a place in his life where he'd got two sons living in the same house at the same time. He'd got Ishmael, that which was done in his own strength and his own ability, and he got Isaac. The child of the spirit. The child of the supernatural. And Abraham thought, that's fine. They'll both get along. No problem. And here's what a lot of churches do. They have, on a Sunday morning, Ishmael is there. It's the show. It's the band. It's the music. It's the lights. It's the 20-minute kind of pep talk for the week, it's have a cup of coffee and go home. And we bring out Isaac, the midweek prayer meeting when there's 20 people there. We bring out Isaac every three months when we have a guest speaker. We bring out Isaac for the conference now and again. And it's like, that's okay. We'll just kind of keep Isaac there. But really, Ishmael is number one son. Because at this point, Ishmael was probably about... 18, 19 years of age, Isaac is like 12 months old. But it says that Ishmael, on the day that Isaac was weaned, in other words, this is a big day for Isaac. It says Ishmael began to mock Isaac. It's like, you know, two brothers and it's one's birthday, but the other one wants to be the center of attention. No, it didn't happen in my family either with my brother. Here's the thing I've noticed about Ishmael. Ishmael always demands attention. And one thing I've learned in leadership is this. That the things that are more Ishmael-like always demand the most time the most effort, the most energy, and the most money. And actually, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, that if I put on something that is not that spiritual, usually it costs the most money, takes the most organizing, 
We need the most volunteers. It takes more planning and more strategy than anything else. But usually, spiritually, it has the least impact. But sometimes, the easiest things to do as a leader are just get me a room, give Matt an acoustic guitar, sing some songs about Jesus, let's get into the Word of God, and let's go after Jesus together. Actually, that costs less money, it costs less time, it costs less, and we need less volunteers, less planning, all kinds of stuff. And yet, actually, it's in those environments that people truly get saved and encounter God and are healed and God moves in power and are usually the most spiritually impactful for the longest. And Abraham realized, or rather Sarah realized, as long as Ishmael is here, Isaac is never going to fulfill his potential. And one thing I've learned in leadership is this. The more I kind of try and keep the show going and the program going and all the stuff going, actually the life of the spirit can get pushed into the background. This is one of the dangers sometimes when a church grows. And actually, we saw this in Mexico, um, churches that were really growing, and we almost kind of had to bring a little bit of correction in some places, because, you know, a church grows, but who knows that five people is a lot easier to look after than 500 people, depending on how messed up the five people are. (laughs) But normally, when a church begins to grow, you need more programs, you need more systems, you need more organization, you need more structure, you need all that kind of stuff. Not only did the people grow, but usually the money grows as well. And so suddenly you've got all this money that you don't know what to do with. And so it's like, well, let's hire some staff. And so rather than everybody involved in ministry. Now we've got money to pay a handful of people to do all the work. And now we've got money so we can get better speakers and more instruments and a nicer building and a bigger building. And before long, you're so caught up in all the stuff around church that the very thing that caused you to grow in the first place, which was prayer and Jesus... And the Holy Spirit has suddenly been pushed back into the background. That's one of the dangers of growth. The more Ishmael a church is, the harder work it is to run. Ishmael, it says, is a slave. I think sometimes we get this in our discipleship as well. We, we were, were part of kind of a learning community um, as kind of a leadership thing. And they did a whole, um, they did a, we did a whole day, didn't we? Oh, well, we should have done a whole day. We did it about half an hour in the end on how to disciple people. I'm convinced that it's harder to disciple people because actually less people are having true encounters with Jesus. You know, I go back to the man with the legion of demons. 
Guy literally had 500 demons, lived naked in a graveyard, was cutting himself. You know, this guy was crazy. He has an encounter with Jesus. And what was his discipleship program? He didn't have one. Jesus said, right, you're an apostle right now to this region. Who knows, that's bad leadership. But Jesus knew this guy has so had an encounter with me that he doesn't need a 15-week course. He doesn't need the pastor to ring him up every week. He doesn't need, you know, a, an eight-week video series on how to read the Bible or anything like that. And I'm convinced that a lot of times in our evangelistic settings, we get people to just make a mental decision for Jesus. Say a prayer, put the hand up, but they've never truly had an encounter with Jesus. So we're running around, pastors having to visit every five minutes, counseling, 15-week courses, new believers classes, get on this road, do this, and we're running around trying, being exhausted. Where actually, if people had a true encounter with Jesus, they'd want to pray. They wouldn't need a 10-week course as to how prayer was important. They wouldn't need a 15-week study on how to read the Bible. It would be, I'm so hungry for God that I'm in the Word of God. I can guarantee that most people in this church that have been saved for a long period of time, actually the vast majority of us probably never went through. I, don't, I never went through a new beginner's class. I didn't go through a 15-week course or anything like that. I had an encounter with Jesus. And I can guarantee it's probably similar for many of us here. I believe right now we're living in an age and a day when ch many church leaders are dismissing Ishmael from the camp. That we're in a, in a day and an age right now where church leaders are beginning to recognize that it is only Isaac that can fulfill the promises of God. It must have been painful for I, uh, for Abraham to dismiss Ishmael. But you know what? All of the world right now, there are church leaders that are saying, you know what? We are dismissing the Sunday morning show. We're dismissing the way of doing church, which is all about the strength of our platform and the size of our congregation. And we are recognizing we want Isaac. We want a move of the Holy Spirit. We want something that is supernatural. We don't want a bunch of slaves, but we want family. We want community. We want people that are in a covenant relationship with each other, going after God with each other. And, I, you know, that takes bravery to do that. But I'm absolutely convinced that God, it's time for the Isaac churches to rise up. It's time for churches. Isaac was a baby. You know, if, you, if you're over 100 years old and you've got two kids, one is 19 and one's like a year, and you've got to get rid of one, I'd be like, well, at least the 19-year-old can mow the lawn for me. Uh, you know, you know, you don't want to be changing nappies when you're over a hundred. Anyone else? But Isaac, but Abraham had the courage 
Or maybe his wife made him do it. To get rid of the more mature, more established son. And embrace the son that was small, a little bit messy, took more work to raise. But knowing this child is a miracle from God. And I'm giving myself to miracle. I'm giving myself to that which is spiritual and supernatural. Listen, we would all love, let's face it, we would all love to be part of an Ishmael church where there's hundreds of people and you can come in and sit at the back and just not be challenged and just enjoy the show, enjoy the performance and after an hour and a half, go home. But there's something in me that says, you know what? I want Isaac. I'd rather, get the, I'd rather have something that was smaller but spiritual. I would have, rather have something that was less sure but more family. I'd rather have something that is less about the giftings of the people on the platform and was more about the supernatural power of God. And if that means I have to dismiss Ishmael, then I'm prepared to do that to raise Isaac. I'm 40 in two weeks, I think, or one week, something like that, two weeks. Just just throwing that out there. Um, Presents are um, more than welcome. Checks you can make out to Andrew Murray. Um, But here's the thing. I'm determined my next 20, 30 years, 40 years, I want to raise Isaac. I don't care if Isaac is 10 people or 20 people or 100 people. I just want to be where the Holy Spirit is. I just want to be where the presence of God is. I want to see people get genuinely born again. I want to see people have genuine encounters with the Holy Spirit. You know what? we, We could, with enough money and enough brain power and enough skill, and if we've not got it, we could buy it in. You know, we could build a big, nice Ishmael, but actually the city never be impacted. But actually 50 people, 100 people, 200 people that are burning for Jesus, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what? I reckon we can change Coddingham. I reckon we could change Kingswood. I reckon we could change Beverly. We could change Hazel. God is not looking for a big super Ishmael, but he is looking for an Isaac. Isaac might look like a messy, smelly, noisy baby, but that is what God is filled with his spirit. And God says, my hand is upon that. It's time to dismiss Ishmael and go after the presence of Jesus. Anyone with me? I got, I got other stuff, but let's leave it. Come on, let's, let's stand. Hallelujah. Come on, uh, Matt, will you just come and, and play for us?
Hallelujah. Okay, let me, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll try and do this in five minutes. If Matt plays, then that'll stop me going on too long. Okay, that's all church leadership, church vision stuff, which some of you might be interested in. Some of you probably couldn't care less because you want to pay your gas bill and you want to fill up your car with petrol. So let me just, five minutes, just kind of make this applicable to you. Paul is writing here to the church in Galatians. And the Galatian church were Jews. And so they'd lived a whole life of obeying the law, obeying the commandments, getting circumcised, special days, special feasts, special commandments, hundreds of laws, all kinds of stuff to try and get right with God. And their mentality was this, if I can keep all these laws and all these rules, then God will be pleased with me. They were trying to live like Ishmael. They were trying to get right with God in their own strength. But then there came a day when they heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus, which was there is a way to be right with God without you having to do anything. Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood. He paid the price. Now all you have to do is accept what Jesus did on the cross. And by the Holy Spirit, God will do a miracle in your life and you will be made righteous. You will be made holy. You will become a child of God. You can come into the presence of God without spot, without blemish. And you can receive all that God has for you without you having to do anything other than believe because Jesus has done it all. Hallelujah. That's the gospel, right? And they'd receive that. And they got born again. But then over time, they started to slip back into legalism. They started to think that they had to do things to earn more of God's blessing and more of God's favour. And it's in that context that Paul comes to them and says, Look, you've got Ishmael in the house. And you've got Isaac in the house. You believed in the gospel. You believed in Jesus. But now, through your own efforts, you're trying to please God. And he said, he said this to them. You who started out in the spirit, now you're trying to please God in the flesh. And he said, what has happened to all your joy what has happened to your Isaac because Isaac means laughter let's put that in our context today I wonder how many of us over time we make Christianity a box ticking exercise that actually I go to church tick I pray for so many minutes a day, tick. I read so many chapters of the Bible a day, tick. I've stopped doing these bad things, tick. I do these good things, tick. 
And as long as I tick all the boxes, I feel good about myself. But if I miss any of the boxes, which let's face it, most of us do on a daily basis, then I feel like I'm the worst Christian in the world and I've got to try harder and I've got to do more and I've got to, in my own strength, be more like Jesus. And that mocking voice of Ishmael tells us that we're not good enough. And we live our Christian lives like slaves. Always wanting to do more. Always wanting to be better. Always trying a little bit harder to get to the standard. And do you know what happens when you reach the standard? The devil raises the bar a little bit higher and says you're still not praying enough. You're still not holy enough. You're still not righteous enough. But Christian, I've got good news for you today. The gospel is far better than we realise. And God is far gooder than we realise. I think that's Spanish. Jesus has done it all. Paul's favourite phrase, two little words, in Christ. In Christ you are righteous. In Christ you are holy. In Christ you are blessed. In Christ you are favoured. In Christ you are healed. In Christ are all the promises of God. Paul is saying it's not about your efforts or your works or you trying harder. It is simply about your union with Jesus. Do you know that in Jesus you can't be any more righteous than you are right now? In Jesus, you can't be any more blessed than you are right now. In Jesus, you can't be more favoured than you are right now. In Jesus, you can't have more of the Holy Spirit than you have right now. And some of us have spent 20, 30 years, 40 years doing this Christianity stuff and we're miserable and we're boring and we're fed up and we're exhausted and we're living like slaves. And Paul says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. You are not called to live as, be a slave like Ishmael. You are called to live life in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to live my life in the ordinary way. I want to live my life in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to be like Bill, 75 years old and still on the mission field. Anyone else? Prophesying over people. You know, one of the churches, um, the church is over a thousand people. uh, uh, Sorry, yeah, thousand member church. And then they have about 30 um, other church congregations as well. They host speakers from Bethel. Uh, They host um, John and Carol Arnott. Nathan Morris has preached there. Bill had about 10 minutes in the green room with the pastor of that church and the pastor was in tears saying that's the first time in years someone has ministered to me Bill's not coming to his latter years in the ordinary way he's living life in the power of the spirit anyone else up for a bit of that come on just raise your hands right now to heaven and let's just pray God, we want to live our lives not as slaves, but as free children. God, Christianity is not about ticking boxes. 
I've done my church bit. I've done my devotional bit. I'm trying a bit harder than I did last week. God, you died, Jesus, to set us free from self-effort and from striving and from religion so that we could live a life of freedom. We could live a life of joy. We could live a life full of the power of the Holy Spirit. God, right now, we dismiss the mocking voice of Ishmael. Right now, those of you, you're hearing that voice in your ear right now. You're not good enough. You need to do more. You need to be better. You're not as loved as that person. You're not as spiritual as that person. If only you were a bit more like that, then God could use you. We dismiss Ishmael right now. And we say, God, it is by your grace and by your spirit and by the blood of Jesus. Come on right now for freedom. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Come on right now, all that striving, let it drop off of you. All that comparison, let it drop off of you right now. All that self-effort, let it drop away right now. Come on, we are children of the free woman. We're we're not the slave woman, we're the bride. We are loved by Jesus. We are favoured by Jesus. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of everything that He's done. And God, right now as, as a church, we say, God, it's not about how big we are or how small we are. It's not about what our building's like. It's not about what our programs are like. God, we want the person of the Holy Spirit to be right at the heart of everything we do as a church. God, whether we're 2,000 or whether we're 20, we give ourselves to stewarding, to looking after Isaac, that which is born of the Holy Spirit. God, we're believing for a day when we're going to see people get radically saved, where we're going to see local communities transformed, not because of our abilities as leaders, but because of the power of the gospel, breaking into families, breaking into lives, the goodness of God, setting people free and setting our towns, our villages, our communities, this region ablaze with the presence of God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just take 30 seconds right now just to pray for the Holy Spirit just to come and fill us right now.